Let me just tell you something off the, the page before I begin. I still, to this day, pinch myself almost every time I'm here, just thinking about how this all started and, and what God called us to do and, and how in the beginning it was so hard to, to believe it was, it was going to continue and it was going to last. And God just unfolded his grace to all of us. And God continued to call us into so many opportunities for ministry and for changing the world. And I just am so humbled and honored that he would allow me to be a pastor and that he's allowed us to, to do this together for 23 years. Part one of our journey was solidly based in John 15. And I knew it in my heart that that's what Spring Branch Community Church was all about. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And that verse, John 15, 5, was on just about every one of our bulletins in those early days. We had a trifold bulletin, and, and it was on the front. There was always some kind of a quote on the inside and an order of service. And, and times have changed, and, and we don't have those anymore. But, but we still have that verse emblazoned in our minds, written across our hearts, John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I had a pastor who I worked under for many years, and he used to say to me a, a lot, all the time, he, he said, Michael, it's got to be more than good people doing good things. This is what it has to be. It has to be Jesus Christ at work in us. It has to be men and women who are humble, who want to do God's will in the world, who want to see, you know, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And anytime it starts to go in reverse, anytime it starts to be about me or my agenda or what I want or make me feel better, we're going the wrong way. It always has to be a focus on Jesus. It always has to be that we are so vitally connected to him. Nothing happens apart from that. It's not enough for good people to do good things. And God wants to, to do amazing things in us and through us. And he, he has over these last 23 years. But it all began after we did church for about nine months. It began with a banquet in January of 1994 where I read scripture from Matthew 13. And then I asked some, some questions, or I, I challenged the people that were there. About 80 to 90 people were there in that room that evening. Matthew 13. 
The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. And I said, his lesson is simple. The lesson that Jesus is teaching is simple. Give yourself to the kingdom of God in the same way. And then I had three asks. Number one, to give up a traditional way of doing church on Sunday for the purpose of reaching people who are seeking to know God, but who are not willing to go back to what they have known as an irrelevant church experience. There are so many people who are not here this morning because church became irrelevant. And you see this in stark relief if you go to Europe. The churches are, are beautiful. The steeples are amazing. And, and the, the sanctuaries are overwhelming in their beauty and in their grandeur. And at one point, somebody said, we have to do something so amazing for God because God has been so amazing to us. And nobody's there. There's a, there's a few people still there. When we go to Denmark, we work with, with the Christians who really want to see a revival take place in their country. And yet so many people have turned away because church became irrelevant. It became boring. And I, I never wanted that to happen for Spring Branch. I, never, I had that in my own life. For, for so many years, so that we came to this beginning again of not being boring and being relevant and being real and touching people where they really live, where they live every single day. And so I, I asked the first ask, give up Sunday for yourself and, and look for the people that really want to come to a church that speaks into their hearts. And some of those people are believing people. And some of those people are not believing people. And so seekers wasn't just a term for people who are outside of church and don't believe. It's a term for people who used to be in church and they gave up. I asked you to give your heart, mind, and resources and abilities to this ministry. I asked you to, to give them you know, over and over and over again to a point where you realize that it's a sacrifice. I'm asking you to give everything you can to one of the most significant movings of God in modern history the restructuring of the church to reach people who have little or no interest in organized religion, but who are desperately searching for meaning and purpose in their lives. People that you live, work, and play with every day. You are touching the lives of these people all the time. And it's a responsibility that we hold very dear and very humbly that, that we are the connection to the church that Jesus Christ is using to change the world. And then finally, I said, I'm asking you to consider becoming the foundation of Spring Branch Community Church, a group of people who are going to take ownership and spiritual responsibility for this ministry. Because nothing happens without people owning things. Nothing happens without leaders saying, I'm going to lead. And people saying, I'm going to be a part of something. And I'm going to, I'm going to be there. And so in the beginning... Over and over again, we brought this, this message of what it means to reach out and what it means to bring people. And there was a song that we sang often, over and over and over again, because it kind of encapsulated what God had put on our hearts. And it's, it's show me the way. And show me the way is about what the Bible would call or what theology would call evangelism. 
Let me tell you how we have always defined evangelism. Evangelism, sharing the message of Christ with others and looking for a response, is best defined and carried out in the context of building relationships. Evangelism is a process rather than an event. Making a commitment to Jesus Christ is an event in the process. And so we've always believed in relational evangelism. We've always believed in, in allowing God to use us to make that first connection, that first invitation. We've always asked God to allow him to show the way in and through us. And that's how it all began. And so something that carried over from that first part of our journey into the second part of our journey was like the key to, to being a branch in the vine. It was the key to allowing God to produce fruit in us and through us. And that was this idea of doing whatever it takes. And, and please don't ever take that for granted. Because if it, ever, if it ever recedes into the background, we will be ineffective. All you have to do is, is read the first few chapters of the book of Revelation. And you see how when they stop doing whatever it takes to, to serve him, to know him, to love him, to worship him, everything begins to fade. And so this idea of doing whatever it takes is, is something to embrace. It's something to breathe in and out. It's something to, to attach to the faith that you have in God and to the offering of your life before God, as it talks about in Romans chapter 12. And so we, we, we now are, are established. There's, there's people coming to church, and we started out with one service, Pretty soon we went to two, and we, we filled up the, the art center two times. And we had to begin thinking about, about doing something. In Matthew 5, 14, there's another key verse for us to remember. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And so we began to be a light in the world in a, in a small corner of Virginia Beach, uh, we began to, to have to, to think about moving out of the art center because we had filled up the auditorium two times and we we're parking cars, as I like to say in those days, we we're parking them up trees just to, to get them onto the, the property. Uh, and then Christmas Eve 2000, we moved in here and, and we had all these seats and we didn't have you know, enough people in the congregation to fill these seats. And I thought, oh my, oh my, oh my, what is going to happen now? Until somebody came running to me right before the first service and said the cars are backed up all the way down Great Neck Road. And we had 2,000 people here for our first Christmas Eve service. And it all started to happen again. Um, in James 1, 22 to 27, there was something that would, would begin kind of a new part of this city on a hill journey that we were about to embark upon. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently 
at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. This woman will be blessed in what she does. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. So we have the vine and the branches. We have apart from him, we can do nothing. And then we have this definition that, that we can hold on to for what God is doing in us and through us as we are these branches and as fruit must come. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. And somewhere in that time in our history, I, I coined the phrase, your next move changes everything. And it's actually the byline on the, on the cover of, of Altitude. Um, your next move changes everything. Because that is the truth of what God is trying to do in us and through us. And I, I got that, that line and that story from a baseball game. So I went to see my son Travis play baseball up in Williamsburg, and I went up there with my father-in-law, and we, we sat on a little bench out in right field watching the game so close to the foul line. And, and this game went just back and forth, and we were ahead, and they were, we were behind, and we were winning, and we were losing. And it came down to the, to the last inning, the last at-bat, and we were losing by a run. And, and the first guy got up, and he made out. And the second player got up, and he made out. And Travis got up, and Travis lined a single right up the middle. So now he's on first base. And the guy batting next is the most sports-challenged kid probably you ever saw in your life. I mean, this kid should have been, like, in computer science and just stayed there. But he was, he was and that was probably not a, not a politically correct thing to say for computer science people who are baseball players. But <laughs> anyway, let's keep going. Uh, so... So this kid's up there, and the uniform barely fits him, and, and you know, the bat's kind of heavy, and, and, and the pitcher blows the first pitch right by him. I don't think the kid even saw the pitch. And Travis stole second, because Travis has always been very fast as a runner. He stole second on the first pitch. And then the second pitch came in, and wham, the kid didn't even know what happened, and Travis stole third. So now Travis is on third, and, and the pitcher winds up, and Travis takes a lead, and the pitcher throws the ball, and it just thumps into the mitt, and the kid doesn't even move the bat, and it's strike three, and it's out, and the game's over, and, and we lose. And so now I walk across the field, and here's Travis walking across to me from third base, and we meet right about the pitcher's mound, and, and he, sa he, said, uh, he said, how much did we lose by, Dad? And I'm thinking, how much did you lose by? You lost by one run. You're in the game. You have a uniform on. You don't even know how much you lost the game by? And he just looks at me sheepishly, and I said, you should have stole home. <laughs> and he says this to me. He says, if I knew, I would have. <laughs> if you knew, you would have. 
are you kidding me? You're in the game. You have on a uniform. And, and I imagine in my mind the pitcher winding up for that last pitch. And I imagine as he begins his, his motion, all of a sudden Travis takes off and, and spikes are flashing in the sunlight. And, and, and there's just like a blur of, of red and white. And his hat maybe flies off. And, and the pitcher throws the ball and he slides at the home base. And, and you don't know. You don't know if he's going to be safe or out. But what you do know is you see people like standing up, people holding their hearts, women squeezing babies a little tighter, kids who are playing in the sand looking for like, what is this amazing thing that's happening? And he slides in and you don't know if the umpire is going to go safe. You don't know if he's going to go out. But what you have is one heck of a finish to a baseball game. See, one heck of a finish to a baseball game. Your next move changes everything, all the time. And that's what happened when we started Orphan Network. It says here, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. So we had sent teams to Nicaragua for several years. And uh, as I've reminded you about, I, I, I was kind of busy here and didn't have time to go. And I heard all these good things, and I wa would watch the video, and I would say, oh, that's great, oh, that's great, you know, kids and orphanages, and you're hugging them, they're hugging you. But then Travis prevailed upon me in sort of a reverse, you know, your next move changes everything. He said, Dad, you just got to come. And so I put it off long enough, and after about three or four years, I went. And, and my heart was broken with the things that I saw, and my heart was overwhelmed by the poverty and by the... You know, the, to say poor conditions that these kids were in doesn't even come close. Suddenly, I could smell it. Suddenly, I could see it. I saw the burning garbage and, and the smoke, and the smoke was, was going through this small, little, decrepit amusement park that was down on one side of Managua. And I saw the little girl, the little girl, about the age of my granddaughter now, seven years old, and she was selling these little bags of water in the street with this deadpan expression on her face, and I could see that expression to this day. And the people who were hoping that somebody would come by and, and purchase a, a, a piece of roasted corn, uh, just kind of like sitting there. And I thought, oh my, oh my, this is so much worse than I ever imagined. The video cleans it all up. The video makes it look almost okay, and it's not okay. And so when I came back, I said, one church cannot do this. One church cannot finish this story. There has to be, there has to be many churches. And, and I thought of a network of churches. And so I, I named the organization Orphan Network. And we started it with, with literally nothing. But I went and had, had breakfast with a Virginia Beach businessman. And I said, I, I, I think, I think if, if I had $2,000, I think I could get this thing started. And he gave $2,000. And then I talked about it in church uh, on a Sunday when we were meeting at Corporate Landing Middle School. And a man who was visiting, this is, you need to hold on to stuff like this. Because if you forget stuff like this, you don't understand the story that, that God has done. A man who was visiting the church for the first time because he, was, he, had, he had a son and his, his daughter and his son-in-law were there. He's visiting. And I happened to talk about Orphan Network. And he, he came up and he wrote a check for $10,000. He was visiting on that Sunday. 
and it changed the game. And suddenly we're off and running. And we, through the early years, we were struggling. Through the early years, we didn't know if we are going to make it from one week to the next. But God was faithful. And today, over 20,000 kids today get, get fed every day at least one meal. Today, there's, there's an education program. There's a, there's a track to run on. Uh, I just got a, a report the other day about a girl who came through the orphanage and got on the educational track, and she came out of school, and she graduated, and she's got a great job. She's got a great job today. And that happened because Spring Branch Community Church stepped up to the plate and said, we will own this. We will, we will do this. Uh, we don't have a lot to give right now in the beginning, but we will trust that God will be faithful and do amazing things. And we found out that taking care of orphans was very much written on the heart of God. And then he said, let me write this on your hearts too. You are, remember this, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. The third part of our journey we call here to there. And the first time I heard Bill Hybels talk about here to there, um, it, it just stuck with me. I think it stuck with a lot of people. It was at a Global Leadership Summit maybe five years ago, six years ago. And, and he was trying to explain to the congregation at Willow Creek you know, what it means to go here to there. And he said he would get emails. Uh, you know, there, Shmer, we like it here. Um, you know, you go, we don't want to go. You know, we're fine where we are. But the truth is, unless we go from here to there, it doesn't change the world. It doesn't make any difference in our lives. And uh, all along, we've gone from here to there, from a small auditorium in the art center to a public school auditorium, from that to here to this location. And, um, you know, it's just all along the way, God is saying, you're going from here to there. You're going from here to there. You know, I, was, I was the one who took the phone call from, from the bank when, uh, when a man named Gary Jones called, and I was driving my car down to Norfolk one, one morning, and he said, I'm sitting here with a, with a letter that says an anonymous donor has given you $750,000 to pay off your property. And you saw a shot of the property from, it was an aerial shot, it was a shot from a helicopter, uh, when this was just all an empty field. They were growing soybeans out here. And, and God put it in somebody's heart. God put it on somebody's heart to go from here to there. And, and, and we're all part of that story today. Um, here to there, here to there. It's, it's what has to happen. Um, there's a great verse in John 14, John 14, 12. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, do you believe in him? Then you're, you're the whoever. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. The greater things. In the original text, is just one word. It's the word Megas. We use that, that word today, mega. Uh, 
If something's mega, it's supposedly big and overwhelming. Jesus said, if you believe in me, you're going to do mega stuff. Not because of you, but because I'm going to the Father. I'm running this program. I'm the vine. You're the branches. But you're going to do you're going to do big stuff. And big stuff always involves going from here to there. And it always takes a commitment from all of us that we're all going to go from here to there together. In Hebrews 13, 14, you just saw that verse. It's one of my favorite verses. It's been my favorite verse for a long, long time, way before we started Spring Branch. For here we do not have a lasting city. Take a look around. Things don't last. For here we do not have a lasting city. But we are seeking the city which is to come. We're going from here to there. And it's going to be an amazing there when we get there. And when Jesus looks us in the eye and he said, you did mega stuff. Tomorrowland. Tomorrowland is here to there. That's what it is. It's saying that's where we're going and we're going to go there together. So let me tell you a little bit of what Tomorrowland looks like. We launched Togo Network this year, and we want to continue to bring water, education, medical supplies, and hope to our friends in West Africa. We want to do more for military families. We want to make a, a, a deeper connection happen in the military community. And I don't have all the answers about how that happens, but God's really put that on my heart, that that's part of going from here to there. We want to push hard and pay off the building God gave us. We could do this when everyone does whatever it takes. That's how it all started. When everybody does whatever it takes, we'll get rid of the, the mortgage, we'll get rid of that debt, and we'll be moving ahead into an even more mega situation that God wants us to take care of. We want to have a growing sore ministry to families with special needs children, a strong model for the Christian community in Hampton Roads. And we just have a, a great start in that, and I encourage you to go down there and see what that's all about. We want a growing senior adult ministry that supports the spiritual and practical needs of seniors and serves the church community. We want to continue to deliver the best leadership training in the world through the Global Leadership Summit. It's, it's expanding. There are more people globally outside of North America this year that will attend the summit than attend in North America. We want everyone to know that life care happens best in a life group where you get to know people at the heartbeat level and make friends to go the distance with. We want to keep teaching relevant Christian growth electives to adults on Sunday morning in faith and life classes. And, and we're only bound by the, the great teachers that, that we need to find and, and, and offer more and more opportunities to grow. Uh, we want to change the lives of children and students by having the best programs and family life ministry events anywhere in the country. We want young adults to explore the challenges of the world Christ died for and connect with each other to change that world. And every Sunday, every Sunday, we want to remember and celebrate the God who faithfully guides us and knits us together as his church so we can humbly do great things to honor his call upon us. And so at that, at that first dinner that we had, when I asked people to really step up and be the foundation of Spring Branch Community Church, January 1994, I told the story about Abraham Lincoln. Now he used to get up and go to church Sunday evenings. And not to create a disturbance, 
He would sit in the pastor's study and just listen through an open door. I once had an open door to, uh, to a, a church platform that was in, in my office. Uh, and uh, he would sit there, he would listen, and then he would walk back to the White House with a Secret Service person. So one night the Secret Service man said, President Lincoln, how did you, how'd you like tonight's message by Pastor Gurley? And, uh, and he said, well, it was, was well, well written, it was well organized, and it was well delivered by Pastor Gurley. And uh, the Secret Service man said, well, well, then you liked the message. And Lincoln said, no, no, I didn't like the message. And he said, well, why is it, Mr. President? He said, well, Dr. Gurley did not call the people to greatness. And you can, you can listen to stuff all day long. But unless you're called to greatness, and unless you're willing to live that out by doing whatever it takes, by being a branch out of a vine, by understanding that, that you're the light of the world, by understanding that God's called you, Jesus has called you to do great things, mega stuff, then, then you'll end up not achieving your full redemptive potential individually and as a church. So I humbly once again on this 23rd anniversary Sunday call you to greatness. Not a greatness, it's not a greatness because of who we are, it's a greatness because of who he is and what he will accomplish in us and through us. Show me the way. A city set on a hill. Going from here to there. I call you. I call you this day. I, I mark your lives this day. And I call you again to be a great church. Dear Heavenly Father, Guide us in this moment. Allow us to hear the words that are about to be sung. Allow us to know how, how faithful you are in your call upon our lives. Call to greatness. In Jesus' name, amen.